Welcome everyone to the Bridgeport Health Department. My name is Carla and I work for the Environmental Health Division. Throughout this podcast, we will be discussing hot topics that will be helpful for the Bridgeport community. I would like to introduce our guests individually and share their backgrounds in their departments. Again, I work for the Environmental Health Division. I'm a health inspector and I have experience for over two years. Guillermo, he is also um, a health inspector and works at the Environmental Health Division. And Ina also works for Environmental Health Division and she's a health inspector. Charles, he works for the lead division and he's a lead inspector. Jennifer, she works for Social Services Division and she is a relocation coordinator. And John, he works for the housing department. And Anthony, he also works for the housing department also. And Kelly, she works for the blight department. How are you guys today? Hey, Carla. Great. So, Guillermo. Can you tell me about your environmental health division? Yeah, um, thank you, Carla. As health inspectors, we investigate and monitor potential health hazards to keep the community safe. Above all, our mission is to promote and protect the health of the residents of Bridgeport by monitoring, enforcing, and educating the community. Our inspections take place at all restaurants and food establishments, including food trucks and carts, and festivals that take place in our city throughout the year. Great, that's awesome. Now, what do you look for in food inspections? When we conduct food inspections, Carla, we look at food storage temperatures, which include hot and cold, cooking and reheating and cooling times and temperatures of food, personal hygiene of employees, food production methods and procedures, and the overall cleanliness of establishments. Oh, wow, thank you so much for sharing. What, are, what other inspections do you do? Uh, besides restaurant inspections, we also inspect public pools, barber, beauty, and nail salons, nursing homes, and daycare facilities. We also handle residential complaints, which consist of sewage overflow, mold, presence of vermin, waste, and other nuisances that affect the health of the residents of Bridgeport. Also, during the summer, we test the bathing waters to ensure that the bacteria levels are low and that our beaches and lake are safe for people to swim in. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Now, Ina, can you tell us about the food handler course? Yes, of course, Carla. And thank you, uh, Carla, for this great opportunity to talk about the training and promote it to Bridgeport food workers. Uh, We conduct food handler training here at the health department once a month on first Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. for $25 fee. It's online training, and those who are interested can register for the training at www.statefoodsafety.com. Oh, great. Thank you so much. No problem. Yep. Chuck, can you tell us about lead, please? Sure, thanks, Carla. I work with the uh, lab lab prevention program. I work with the lab prevention program. We, we screen children who have elevated lab levels 
and we ensure the removal of lead hazards in accordance with the Connecticut state statutes, federal regulations, and local ordinances. We inspect properties of children with elevated blood lead levels. We um, inspect properties of children whose parents may receive government subsidies, such as Section 8. We collaborate with agencies such as DCF to ensure the properties are safe for the children that may be under their care. We inspect daycare facilities within the city to ensure that they are under accordance with state statutes. We offer inspections for residents who may feel they have um, defective lead in their um, units. And we also collaborate with the housing code to, um, to do a certificate of apartment occupancy inspections to ensure that the residents are living in safe um, dwellings. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, Jennifer. How Hi. are you? I'm well. How are you? Your department provides cash assistance for people in need. What are the requirements for receiving financial assistance? Thank you, Carla. For individuals in jeopardy of becoming evicted and are in need of rental assistance, uh, what is required is a valid ID. A valid ID could be a driver's license, a state ID, or a passport. Verification of income is a must for the assistance. Unfortunately, if there is no source of income, one is not eligible for this program. A source of income can obviously be a paycheck through an employer, but also cash assistance through the Department of Social Services or even a cash stipend from a friend or a family member on a consistent basis. Social Security is considered a verification of income as well as a pension. Individuals are required to provide us with an eviction notice. If individuals receive SNAP from the Department of Social Services, we need to have a copy of that budget sheet. And finally, we have to have a copy of the current lease agreement. For individuals in need of relocation money, all is needed is a valid ID and income verification. Oh, thank you so much. Now, what led you to this type of work? It is social work at its best, and I have a passion for helping other people. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Now, John, um, can you tell us about uh, housing code enforcement? I'd be happy to. A housing code uh, inspector enforces uh, all the local housing code laws and ordinances. We also do anti-blight, which handles complaints assigned to us regarding lots, vacant lots, vacant buildings with blighted issues such as damage or missing roofs, windows, siding and disrepair, fire damage, or abandoned autos. Uh, housing uh, code, a blight inspector needs a first-hand knowledge of all building trades such as roofing, um, carpentry, masonry, plumbing, and electrical. We handle all complaints from beginning to end, and we endeavor to bring all violations into complete compliance. Each complaint is followed from the initial phone call to the very end. We maintain records and correspondence, and we prepare reports and oversee corrections to all violations. That's about it. Oh, thank you so much.
Um, can you tell us about what is a CAO? Absolutely, Carla. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to get together with my colleagues. And let me tell you what, your hair is beautiful today. I love what you did. So a certificate of apartment occupancy is required for anybody that owns a three-family home or more that is currently rented and out. So that means that inspection has taken place by the city and it deems that that unit is livable for the tenants that are coming in. Now the recertification happens anytime a new tenant moves in and it's $80 per certificate. So that would have to be paid each time. And what also goes along with that is a lead inspection um, to make sure that the property is lead free in addition to livable for the tenants. Thank you so much. Now, Kelly, what else? How are you? Good. Oh, great. What are some examples of blight? All right. Well, first of all, you need to know what blight is. Blight is vacant, dilapidated, unsecure buildings. It's roof or siding or windows that's in disrepair. It's overgrowth in a yard or a lot. It is junk autos, unregistered vehicles on a property, deteriorating walls or fencing, and it's also overflowing dumpsters or debris or bulk trash on the property. Now, remember, keyword here, on the property. If it's anywhere else, that's a different department. But on the property, it's blight. And what our inspectors do is they go out and they look for litter and debris in the yard, unsightly disrepair, vacant and unsecure buildings, and they look for overgrowth. And some things that you can do to avoid uh, getting blight fines would be to make sure that you keep your grass trimmed, your bushes trimmed. You wanna make sure that you keep the siding of your house looking good. If your house needs to be painted, make sure you do that. Um, You want to make sure there is no litter or debris in your yard and that you store all your tools and things properly in the garage or in the basement. Thank you so much for that information, Kelly. The blight process consists of... The blight process consists of an initial inspection where an inspector goes out after a complaint's been made The inspector then gives a certified warning letter to the owner of the property explaining that they have 15 days to become compliant with the blight ordinance. If they are not, if in 15 days when the inspector goes out again for his second visit, they are not in compliance, then they will receive a $1,500 fine. If they are in compliance, the file is then closed. However, again, if they receive the $1,500 fine at the second visit, they have another 15 days to get the property into compliance. That would be 30-day reinspection. At the 30-day reinspection, if they are not compliant, they will have to receive a $3,000 fine. If they are compliant, fine stopped at 1,500 and they will come for a hearing. 
regardless of whether they have a $1,500 fine or a $3,000 fine. They must come for a hearing. A hearing will be scheduled by the blight coordinator. They will come to hearing and a hearing officer will listen to their case. After the hearing officer makes a determination, they will then, <clears throat> sorry, they will then um, be given a reduced fine or vacated fine, or they will be leaned if they do not show up for the hearing after 10 days or if they don't pay their fine within 10 days of the hearing. The only other thing I want to make sure that the city un that the constituents understand is there is one other factor. It's called emergency order. An emergency order is issued by the director of health if she deems that the property is in is a health hazard. So, in the middle of our blight process, at the beginning of our, if she deems that it's a health hazard that your property is a health hazard, the city will go in, they will clean it, and they will lean you the cost of cleanup. So please be warned that these things can happen. Thank you so much for your time and your information. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Carla, can you tell us a little bit about mosquito prevention? Well, Jennifer, I know that the warm season is coming up, so there's different preventative ways to reduce uh, mosquito breathing. One of the ways you can reduce mosquito breathing is by not having any stagnant water, turn over your buckets, your tires, and also clean your bird baths in between um, these times. And also, you can also wear some preventative um, uh, uh, gear, whereas you can use uh, bug repellent, um, wearing long sleeves, can help also to prevent any uh, mosquitoes. Thank, Thank you, you so Carla. Much. Okay. Before, before we wrap it up, I would like to ask Ina a little bit more about food handler training. Why do you think it's important for Bridgeport food workers to take this training? Thank you, Carla. Thank you so much uh, for letting me elaborate a little bit more about uh, food handler training. This training is very uh, educational and covers important elements of uh, food safety and foodborne illness prevention, such as time and temperature controls, personal hygiene and cross-contamination. As Guillermo uh, already mentioned, uh, our mission as public health officials to protect, prevent and promote public health. So, uh, and our ultimate uh, goal with this training is to make sure that all Bridgeport food workers are well-trained and uh, implement safe food practices in their establishment. And this way we can prevent foodborne outbreaks from happening in Bridgeport. And of course we want to uh, pretend, uh, protect our uh, Bridgeport residents and public in Bridgeport uh, from foodborne illness. So it's, it's very good training, very educational, and I encourage everybody 
who works in food establishment in Bridgeport to register for that training, just go on www.statefoodsafety.com and register for the training and uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. You guys were wonderful. Great job. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.